Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Our next guest is a young New Zealander who's doing groundbreaking research into diagnosing gut problems. His study is taking him global. He is the recent recipient of two scholarships and three travel grants and four French hens. Um, no, that was a joke. Uh, but travel grants to places like Japan and Chicago and later this year Chile. His name is Peter Tremaine. He's a PhD student at the Auckland Bioengineering Institute and he's with me now in the Auckland studio. Kia ora. Kia ora. Why is the gut so mysterious? Well, I think in terms of research, it's not as typically associated with mortality or with death, mm. whereas stuff like the heart, if you have a problem with the heart, you're more likely to, to die. Yeah. There's, there's more likely severe outcomes, whereas gut is more of a chronic issue in a lot of people, so it can kind of slide by. It's less important in, in that regard. Right. It doesn't often kill you, gut problems, compared to the heart or the lungs. Yeah, yeah, at least the, the gut problems that we look at. It's just yeah. more, it's more discomfort. Yes. And quite often quite dramatic discomfort. Yes, quite dramatic discomfort and not, it doesn't throw up as many uh, sexy problems like yeah. talking about excretion and <laughs> Do you those, think those sorts it? of things. Do you think yeah, that's I it? Think, I think um, it's not as sexy a topic because of the sort of gross as- aspects that you can yeah. come about through um, gut treatment. Yeah. Well, because one of the questions that, that someone told me to ask you tonight pertaining to the gut was how many times a day is normal, which is such a, like, it's, it's such a weird question because um, it's such an obvious question and yet it kind of feels almost um, squeamish to yeah. talk about or ask about. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. There is that sort of squeamishness to it. Is uh, a topic that's avoided yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. Is there an answer to that question, or or is not, it not that I could give you? <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that's not uh, within the the engineering remit. Uh, no, right indeed. All right. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So how does the gut intersect with bio? Well, actually, what's bioengineering first of all? Yeah. So bioengineering as a topic is quite broad in, in a lot of ways. A large part of it is biomedical engineering, mm. so designing medical devices or looking at ways to analyse medical problems computationally or on a computer um, and experimentally with um, with studies done at hospitals mm. and whatnot. But then there's other sides to it um, that we do at the Institute as well, which is um, things like biomimetics, where you are modelling and making things based off natural occurrences. Um, I guess one of the easier things to relate to is 
aerodynamics and mimicking how birds are aerodynamic and Uh, fly into planes. So that sort of stuff can also fall under the bioengineering sphere. Um, But the majority of the stuff is medical orientated. And is that so like... I, a thing that you see often in sort of near future movies is things like robots doing surgery because they can be so precise, um, much more precise than a human hand yep. could possibly be. I don't know whether that's a thing that's possible um, or whether it's light years off or whether it's happening right now, but is that yep. the sort of stuff that, that, that you might get into as well? Yeah, yeah. So that that stuff all falls under bioengineering. So there is a lot of stuff going on in robot, robotic surgeries. Yeah. Um, I think one of the more publicized things about robotic surgery is um, telesurgery mm. and the evolution of yeah. 5G and how that supports so it. Like, so you, that's where the, you've got a doctor directing. Yeah, you can have a doctor in London doing um, a surgery in in San Francisco Al- yeah. or something. Right. Um, and how that will open up telemedicine and possible access to third world countries and all that sort of thing. So... How do you intersect? How does your bioengineering intersect with the gut? Yeah, so our I'll, I'll give a little bit of an overview sure. of yeah, of what sure. our um, general research group does. So we're predominantly focused on electricity in the gut, and the best way to sort of contextualise that for a lot of people is to relate it to the heart because sure. everyone can feel their heartbeat, or at least I hope they can. Um, the gut has its own sort of heartbeat mm-hmm. that helps govern how food is digested and moved through the system. And in the stomach, I'll try and paint a little bit of a picture. Please do. But, um, as graphic the, as you like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's nice. Um, in, in the stomach, that electrical sort of heartbeat um, is generally rings that starts – near the top of the stomach and moves slowly down towards the end of the stomach. Um, and they're rings of electrical activation or electrical activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're quite slow. They take about 20 seconds usually to move from the top of the stomach down to the bottom. And they're called slow waves. And in healthy humans, this electrical activity is very regular. So very on the dime, it's, it's going all the time. Like a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a heartbeat. Um, and it what? It helps the food move through? or it, It's kind of a controller for the contractions right. and stuff that uh-huh. help food move through. Um, and the thing that our, our group found in the last sort of decade is that there's associations between abnormalities or departures from this very established rhythm and a bunch of what they they call functional gut disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, and they affect around 15% of the population, about 15% of people will experience these. And, yeah, there's... And sorry, what's an example of a functional disorder? Like- so a functional disorder, there's two main ones that we, we target. They're kind of on a sliding spectrum, mm-hmm. but... Uh, functional dyspepsia and gastroparesis, which the symptoms um, include sort of abdominal pain, um, nausea and vomiting um, to varying degrees of severity. Um, So our group kind of found an association with abnormalities in this gut beat, Mm -hmm. essentially, and and these functional disorders. And these disorders are kind of of end-of-the-line diagnoses, so... Basically, you'll go through uh, a diagnostic sort of pipeline in, in medical care, 
and they'll do all these tests and then they'll get to the end and they'll be like, we don't know what it is. It's a functional disorder. Right. Pop you in here. So they're generally very poorly understood mm-hmm. um, up until very recently and there's limited options for treating them. Mm-hmm. So obviously we want to change that. So our, a large part of our group is targeted towards finding out ways that we can target these with new treatments. And harping back to the heart again, how that's treated in the heart, because they have the same problem. They have these electrical abnormalities mm-hmm. that create these other disorders, but they treat them similarly. Um, they, it's, it's sort of a three-step um, pipeline that they go through. So most people will be familiar with an EKG, which is mm-hmm. where they put the, the leads on your chest and they've got a squiggly line. Yep. So that's all body surface. They'll help identify if someone has an electrical abnormality. Mm-hmm. And then they will send in a wee probe into the heart to map it in more detail, like get a picture of where it's misfiring, mm-hmm. what part of the heart is not activating as it should. And then once they find it out, they'll go in and it's called ablation and they'll burn around it or do different burning techniques to isolate it and stop it interfering with the rest of the circuit. Huh. Um, and it's very successful with the heart and treating these um, arrhythmias, they're called, or departures from that normal heartbeat. And we've been translating that sort of approach to the gut. So there's been a lot of work done on body surface stuff, effectively that sort of EKG for the gut, um, and that's been spun out as doing really well in, in a company um, called Alimetry mm-hmm. that's come from the Bioengineering Institute. And then my particular research focuses on that next step, which is sending in a device to map it in more detail and isolate exactly where it is. Well, let's talk about that because that yep. is one of the very cool... So so explain like I am a child, like, which <laughs> I, you know I am when it comes to medical technology. What, what is it and how does it work, this 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 piece of equipment, what, what, yeah. this instrument that you've helped help design? Yeah. Is that pretty Yeah, helpful? so the current iteration is, again, borrowing from, from cardiac. It, it borrows sort of a basket. It's called basket catheter, and it's got sort of, I'll try, again, try and paint a bit of a mm-hmm. picture. It's got sort of eight um, wire splines mm-hmm. that form a ball or a sphere. Um, and they've got a bunch of electrodes on each spline. And then what we do is we put a balloon, a special balloon, um, <laughs> <laughs> inside that sort of basket area uh-huh. um, and bundle it all up nice and tight and then drag it down um, your esophagus or your throat yeah. and put it in, in the stomach. And then you inflate the balloon and it sits there for a bit and measures the electrical signals. Um, and then you deflate it and take it out and analyze everything. Um, so we've done a bunch of trials with that, learned a lot, and then it's a process of iterating on that design to make it as good as we can um, until finally we can deploy it and help people. So how does this change the game? Well, I guess it harps back to the um, original sort of um, description of those functional disorders mm. is they're very poorly understood. There isn't a whole lot of treatment options to effectively address these sorts of electrical abnormalities mm. that are, have been associated with these disorders. So typically um, treatments are lifelong. They're symptom sort of mitigating. So mm. you, you'll take uh, medications for your life. Yeah. Um, and the stuff will still be 
yeah. oftentimes present if less severe than yeah the yeah and then the, there's some other options um that are sort of surgical like you'll to cut parts out of the end of the stomach and whatnot um, to varying degrees of effectiveness. Um, but a lot of options struggle to try and treat that root cause. So this this new pipeline that we're trying to implement tries to target that root cause and take it out mm. so you don't have to have those lifelong treatments. Right. Is is there sort of a potential f- for this technology f- to be used to to treat really serious health threatening illnesses as well, like gastroenteritis or, or, or I mean, Crohn's? Does Crohn does it intersect with Crohn's at all? Not that we have seen. It's right. Okay. It's um, more typically targeted, or the diseases that we're typically targeting are motility disorders. So how food moves through the system. Right, yeah. Um, whereas those diseases, I don't believe, affect that as much and more of an inflammation mm. um, response. So how? So it's like a it's like a balloon on the end of an inflating kind of thing with lots of electrodes pointing out and you put it down someone's throat and then you inflate the balloon inside someone's stomach. Yes, yeah. yeah. Is that uncomfortable? <laughs> so the balloon is kind of constrained by that outer basket. Uh-huh. So it can't... It's got a, a fixed volume that yep. we inflate it to, so it can't expand forever. And um, <laughs> I should hope, not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, ex- and put too much pressure on people's stomachs. So it, it's very constrained, and you actually, uh, in these trials that we've done, suction the stomach down onto it um, mm. to sort of maintain pressure and contact between the device and and the inside of the stomach. I got a text in earlier from somebody saying, um, "I have a gut question. Can this?" instrument can it be used to diagnose and or determine the extent of um, something like endometriosis affecting the gut so it's not an area that our group focuses on mm-hmm. um and i can't really comment on um endometriosis research sure. per se it's not part of my um warehouse but in saying that there are similar slow waves mm-hmm. and electrical activations in many organs in the body including the uterus and it could we can progress hopefully to mapping other yeah organs exactly um yeah but the finding like i couldn't i understand yeah yeah. this is not that's not your specialty the the creation of the instrument and how it works that's your kind of area and how it's applied by other people in the future for specific purposes is is up to them yeah Good. That puts intonation to a lot of heavy lifting there. Doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, because I mean, you're you're an interesting one, right? Like, you are not like as you as you've said, you're not like a med student. You're not a health guy. You're an engineering guy. Yep. And from yeah. a family of of, of builders. Yeah. Well, Handy people. Yeah. Builder turned fireman and teacher yeah. and um and whatnot. Um. Yeah, it's a very interesting field to be a part of, and I didn't go through always targeting that. I right. I went, um, I did mechanical engineering down in Canterbury mm-hmm. to start with and then um, moved from that into a startup consultancy that was predom- predominantly focused on seismic engineering. Right. Um, and then went from that up to here, did my master's and progressed on to my PhD. Um, so yeah. do you just get really, really interested in certain things and then just absolutely fixate on it for a while until you're really, really good at it? Or is it was health and 
and figuring out the gut, something that you had wanted to do for a while? Like, um, I think probably the uh, the former, right? <laughs> like, um, like it, I do uh, like digging down into a problem quite a bit, and coming out of uh, consultancy, I was wanting a bit more tangible impact. Mm. Um, would be the best way to describe right. it. And got sick of giving people advice. <laughs> yeah. So health, especially, is a is a great way to do it. And my particular project had had a lot of patient contact. Mm. Um, so it gave that really tangible impact, and um, the outlook of what you're doing matters um, and can make a difference to people, which really craved. And health, in particular, has a lot of very complex, um, interesting problems to tackle. You can go a lot of ways with it. Now, I was reading an article about you by Nikki Mando, mm-hmm. where she talks a bit about my friend Nikki Mando, whom I love, and um, <laughs> she talks a bit about um, some of the many places that you've been. Um, yes, here it is, including Chicago, where you went to the terribly named Digestive Disease Week conference. <laughs> um, they should really come up with a, a different name for that. But this, I mean, this research, it, it really, it's taken you all, all around the world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So that was... At the start of 2023, I think May, mm-hmm. um, we went over to the DDW. Is, <laughs> is that what they, yeah, 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 the, yeah, the DDW uh, they call it? And yeah, the, uh, there's a reason for that. Yeah. Um, which was incredibly eye-opening. It kind of, yeah, the scale is incredible. It's a conference of, I believe it's either ten or 14,000 people. Wow. Um, and it's just presentation, like, Presentations everywhere, so much money being thrown around by all these medical technology companies, all these clinicians, um, a lot of brilliant presentations bet, and things yeah. to learn, um, which was incredible and got to present over there as well, which was an awesome experience. Mm. Um, and to be involved with that, super eye-opening. And then we, we tacked on a few things, so we went over to um, to the Mayo Clinic as well. Cool. Um to give a presentation, and that was incredible as well. The <laughs> talk about scale there—it's mm. one of the biggest sort of medical institutions in the world, and it's based in a town uh, called Rochester in mm. Minnesota. And it's not much of an exaggeration to say the entire town is it's a little town, eh? Yeah. Rochester's not big, but yeah, it's about seventy thousand, yeah. I think, and it's all mayo. <laughs> like, <laughs> everything is dedicated to mayo, yeah. whether it's cafes or bookstores or like it's centered around this institution, um, which was incredible. And to see the resources they have and the research that's going on, it's super interesting. And then aside to that, we got to go over to Boston and do some work with MIT over there and um, meet up with a bunch of Kiwis that were based in Boston as well and sort of tie into that community, which was really cool. Kiwis going across the other yeah. side of the world and meeting yeah. up with other Kiwis. Time on a tradition. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is. So and you've got a trip to Chile coming up? Yep, yep. So that's penciled in for April. Um, they've got a sort of overarching um, medtech uh, or health technology institution over there called, um, it's abbreviated to iHealth. It's the, the easiest. <laughs> yeah, it's better than DDW. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I've got uh, a scholarship to do three months over there based with some researchers in um, Valparaiso and Santiago um, doing some signal processing with some of the data that we've um, been gathering 
mm. and um, sort of learn a bit more about the health tech ecosystem over there in the healthcare system. I think one thing that gets missed a little bit um, in a lot of engineering fields is that sort of human element. Right. Um, and especially with... <laughs> yeah. Just all the engineering jokes. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Flashback. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, and especially with healthcare, it's very people-orientated and very culturally different. There's a lot of cultural aspects that um, differ between communities and how they view healthcare. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it's super important to try and broaden your perspective on that and get experience from all these different places um, and build sort of your values around um, understanding those people and um, the different cultures and how they influence your, your designs and yeah. how you innovate as well. It's interesting hearing you talk about the um, the, the conferences that you've been to and t- talking about how there is so much money flying around and there are so many people pitching at these conferences because yeah. I feel like, I, I don't know, maybe this is naive, but when you when you think about the idea of health and healthcare, I think of, I guess, a more, I don't know, um, pu- public, socialised <laughs> kind of, um, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like everybody, yeah. for, but... The, the the field of medical technology is absolutely steaming with cash. It's a big business kind of area, um, and I suppose as an engineer, getting involved in this field from a from a purely careerist, let alone a holistic yeah. point of view, is actually a very sensible thing to do indeed. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. Um, it's definitely got a lot of potential and progression. I think it's only going to grow, um, especially as populations age and grow. There's mm. there's never a diminishing need for healthcare. It just yeah. expands and moves in different ways. And we're very well positioned to sort of take care of that. Is New Zealand in a good place in that sense? Or is, is health and, and medical technology the sort of thing where you really need big country resources to, to make big strides? Um, no, I, I think New Zealand's actually very well placed for health tech. And it's I think it's quite well known internationally that New Zealand and Australia are particularly particularly well positioned to develop and sort of prove out concepts and health tech concepts. Right. Yeah. Um, we're a good sort of trial market. Yeah, we you, really yeah. Are. You have to go into the States and Europe because any any company like be viable. Exactly. They have to totally. they have to have an economic existence. But the trial market and the development environment in New Zealand is very good. Um, and I think coming to the Bioengineering Institute, it's it's quite cool, um, especially when we're travelling to the big conference, how well respected the work that we do is. And the the environment for developing health tech um, and startups in general in New Zealand is especially out of universities, mm-hmm. has developed a lot yeah, recently and right. it's gotten a lot better. Um, and there's a big push um, at the moment um, from organisations within New Zealand, such as um, sort of an overarching body called uh, Titatoki Matora that um, does a lot of health tech work branching out over New Zealand. And it's tied in with um, this initiative called MedTech IQ, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of... Um, another base for medtech in New Zealand right. um, that's been headquartered in 
um, in Auckland was being developed mm. um, with nodes around New Zealand. Um, so, yeah. It's cool. It's fascinating stuff. Um, Peter Tremaine, good luck for the future. Cheers. Thanks for popping in and chatting. No worries. Thanks for having me. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.